0: when I went through adversity, when I felt the worst, all I was doing was thinking about myself. And as soon as I started thinking about others, my attitude changed and it improved. I
1: am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to
1: another episode of Gray Matter. Well, are you in need of some inspiration? As I go about my business and connecting with people who follow the show and just watching what's happening in our world, I find that maybe the most prevalent emotion that people are feeling is, despair, a lack of hope. If you're feeling that way today, while well, we have somebody on the show who's been described as the antidote to all of that, uh, he is an inspirational author and speaker. His name is Richard Battle. Welcome to the show, Richard. It's great to have you on Gray Matter today. Uh, thank you so much,
0: Leighton, for having me with you today.
1: Look forward to the conversation. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, the work that you're doing is inspirational and it's so needed right now uh by way of background folks uh richard is an award-winning author who's published uh, many books including a couple that we're going to talk about today including his new one which is called unopened present i just read it and it's wonderful Uh, he's also written several more books including uh, made in america by americans not americans i like that title life's daily treasure which is one of our featured books today on our reading list Navigating life's journey, conquering life's course, unwelcome opportunity, uh, the volunteer handbook and the four letter word that builds character uh, and surviving grief by God's grace among others. So Richard has really carved out a space uh, in this, in this field, in this uh, uh, sphere, if we can call it, of providing hope and inspiration to people. That That is his focus as he goes about in his writings and uh, in his uh, public speaking and also in his radio appearances and his podcasting. So before we uh, we dive into the conversation with him and get him to talk about how he does that and why he's doing what he's doing, as we always do, we're going to frame our conversation with a few aphorisms. Uh, I connected today with Richard via Twitter, and I, I've learned that he's a, a fan of aphorisms as well. I've chosen a few people who are... Uh, Uh, featured in one of Richard's endeavors. Uh, The first one is uh, uh, astronaut, the late astronaut Alan Shepard, who once said that, I realized up there, that is in outer space, that our planet is not infinite. It's fragile. That may not be obvious to a lot of folks, and it's tough that people are fighting each other here on Earth instead of trying to get together and live on this planet. We look pretty vulnerable in the darkness of space. Next one is from uh, the late Martin Luther King Jr., uh, who said many wonderful things. He was a, a brilliant writer and orator, but he said this, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The Next one uh, is, uh, two conflicting forces cannot exist in one human heart. When doubt reigns, Faith cannot abide where hatred rules. Love is crowded out where selfishness rules. Their love cannot dwell. When worry is present, trust cannot worry its way in. And finally, from uh, the best book of all, or, or part of the part of the best book of all, Proverbs. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's in Proverbs chapter three, verse six. So who do we have in the show today? Well, Richard Battle. Uh. And where I'd like to start with him is, um, Richard, um, you've written extensively on a lot of the topics that uh, are so important to people. But one of them that I really, I guess, fixated on when I was preparing for, to, for our talk today is hope. And you've written about this. You wrote in a paper um, a couple of years ago, a paper that says, basically, we need hope more than ever. And where do we find it? Can we start there and maybe talk about that and and uh maybe in the context if you want to begin with how did you get started what what sort of brought you in your life path to where you are right now as, as someone who provides hope and inspiration to others
0: well i think that's a, a great place to start and let me say my high school english teachers never dreamed i'd read a book much <laughs> less write one and i never dreamed i'd write one much less i'm now at 10 And I've been hopeless before. Uh, When I lost my only son and first child some years back, there was a period, even though I was a believer, that I didn't have hope for the future. And that's a terrible place to be. And I'm so thankful a, a friend and his wife helped revive my hope. And it became something that Uh, helped me to write Surviving Grief by God's Grace, which was my second book. i would never dreamed of writing one, wrote that one as a second one, never dreamed of writing anything more than that, but yet there's been inspiration delivered to me based on experiences in my life. And the messages I want to share are a hope for people because without that, life is desperation is an understatement and that's the only thing that helps us get through these days that we're in now is hope and our culture our political leaders don't inspire people now and don't provide hope and so it just increases the desperation and despair that people feel and i hope that some of the things i do may help others to be lifted out of that hopelessness that i once experienced
1: yeah, the, what this this feeling of despair or desperation, as you put it, is so much a part of, of life in North America, in the United States and Canada. Just recently, you probably heard this, the United States, they had the highest uh, suicide rate ever, even higher than the outbreak of World War II. Nearly 50,000 Americans killed themselves last year. In Canada, uh, it's so saddening to know and to learn and to appreciate that um, we're making an industry of suicide. Uh, there's law on the books in Canada now called MAID, which is medical assistance in dying, and about fourteen thousand people killed themselves that way last year. And it's connected to this horrific enterprise of uh, organ of of, of of organ harvesting uh, and and the sales of of these of these human body parts. How do you suppose we we got here, Richard? We we started out as as kind of a you know Christian countries in the United States and Canada North America, but we sort of drifted toward into this uh atheistic malaise that is I think is very much connected to the desperation and lack of hope that you write about. How do we get here and and what's what do you think are are some of the antidotes?
0: Well, I think that a movement away from Christian faith has caused this, and only a spiritual awakening will help us restore our purpose which is to glorify God and to help us in it, go through adversity in ways that we can learn and grow and serve others versus this self-focus that our cultures are perpetuating right now and right. when you're focused on self then the least little adversity can drive you over the edge and young people especially I've read studies where they only take a few minutes before they decide and go through with suicide so often because they don't have a hope beyond themselves and beyond the moment and that's what faith gives us is a hope beyond ourselves and a hope for eternity Uh, my mother died of alzheimer's a few years back And she was so ill and had no quality of life. And I was wondering, why doesn't God take her and put her out of her misery and give her peace? And I finally discovered for me that I believe he left her so that my brother and I could learn lessons to help our life. It was her last sacrifice on earth was showing us how to live better by her suffering.
1: Oh. Wow, and and to and to sort of endure that with uh, courage, of course, that's something that you know a lot about because of what uh, you've gone through in your own life with the loss of your son, which you mentioned. And uh, I read a piece that that was on your that's on your website uh, called "The Dear John Message That Will Lift Every Heart." You he wrote this a few years ago on yes. Father's Day. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Well, and that, that's the basis, the first half of the basis for The Unopened Present, which is my latest book. And so when my son was six months old, I was a little older than the average father, and I was concerned that I might not live long enough to teach him the important lessons in life. And so I wrote him a letter, 43 lessons, and unfortunately, he passed away three months later. Oh my goodness. And I included it as an appendix in the book, Surviving Grief by God's Grace, and then didn't really think about it much and included it with Navigating Life's Journey as an appendix, just as a side thought as well. And in 2022, Father's Day week, uh, we set up radio interviews talking about Father's Day, loss of a child, parenting, this letter. And I had a God moment that happened on an interview in Iowa uh, that tied with this letter. And that's what motivated the book. And I'm going to go ahead and share it now, if you'll allow me to. Sure, please do. do. What's interesting, this station in Iowa, and I'd been on there multiple times, and the segments were always four minutes. And you know how short four minutes is in this type format. (laughs) So I had to get my truck serviced that day. Uh, the interview was at 7:39 a.m. I dropped my truck off at 7 a.m. and I'm trying to figure out where am I going to do this interview while they're working on my truck. And I finally ended up in the sales lounge. And the phone rings. I'm going through the four minutes, and I mean that's what's amazing—four minutes. I hear somebody walk by. Don't think anything of it. We finish. I get my truck. I'm halfway home on my hour drive home. Phone rings. I don't recognize the number, so I don't answer. I look at a voicemail later and it's somebody from the dealership. And of course your first thought is drats. They, they messed my truck up. I'm going to have to go back to the store. (laughs) And so I called the number and a guy answered and he said, were you the person talking in the sales lounge a little while ago? And I said, yes, I was. And he goes, well, I just wanted to call and say, thank you. Last night I prayed to God in desperation for him to give me peace, to send somebody with a message that would help me because my daughter passed away two months ago. And I believe he sent you to give me a message of hope. And I've never been so humbled in my entire life. And so later when I was speaking to a friend who had known my son, he said, you need to take that phone call and that letter and write a book about it. And that's what I did was take the letter with the 43 points, added context quotes, a scriptural reference. And hopefully that will help people when they're raising children, children growing, uh, to look at life's important lessons to help them in their lives. Right.
1: And uh, Mm -hmm. in that vein, uh, I read two of your books so far. The first was Unopened Present. I also read Life's Daily Treasure. And I really enjoyed this book. Uh, And this book is uh, described as negativity and discouragement are prevalent, as we've been talking about on the show. Positive news and encouragement can be difficult to locate. So this this book is really designed to give people sort of daily doses, sort of daily affirmations, ideas um, that that will make them feel more optimistic, uh, look forward to what they're doing, uh, to maybe experience more gratitude in their daily lives. Uh, Do you want to talk about this book a little bit? What inspired you to
0: write it? Well, the pandemic inspired me because during all the negativity and discouragement that went on, I used scripture. I used things to celebrate American success. uh, I used motivational quotes to help me be encouraged. And all of a sudden, one day I was thinking, well, if these things help me, I can share them with others to hopefully help them. Mm-hmm. And so each of the 366 days, I don't cheat leap year, uh, I have six listings. So every day has a subject. So, for example, the 17th is encouragement, the 25th is wisdom. Uh, every day of the month has a subject. Uh, there's a scriptural quote. There's three things for American Celebration. One is a national day. One's a birthday of an, a great American. Another's a historical fact. Uh, and then there's a motivational quote. And then one of my battles bullets, which are things that I've espoused at one time or the other, takes a minute or so each day to read. Two of those I have on video. If if people are interested, Richard Battles Life Daily Treasure on YouTube they can subscribe and I do two of those every day on videos that are put out on social media.
1: Uh, one one book that uh, was very much admired by uh, famous country music star Larry Gatlin is called Unwelcome Opportunity. I haven't read this book yet. Uh, what What is Unwelcome Opportunity all about?
0: Well, what's what was interesting? I left the corporate world and I put out the master sales secrets and my plan was I had two other sales and management books almost finished. And my plan was to do that and consult and do different things. And a friend of mine said, there's a thousand of those books out there. You should write about what you just experienced. You'll help more people that way. And I did a 180—an and unwelcome opportunity. I went through a divorce, two heart procedures and a cancer diagnosis in one 10 month period. Wow. And that's enemy, the book. And he
1: was on you hard.
0: Uh, Yes, uh, that's the book and it's very much scripturally based that helped me get through those three things and helped me to move forward with a positive attitude about it because uh, it would have been very easy to woe is me type of thing and be negative. And I did that one day and a friend of mine said, hey get over it everybody goes through tough times and so I changed my focus back to the positive and said okay how can I share what I went through to help others going through that kind of adversity
1: well I'm definitely I'm definitely going to read that book now because I was just reading as it happens last night the book of Job and uh, for those who haven't read the book of Job uh, that was that was a period of time like the 10 months that Richard just described. Uh, Job yes. is this uh, is this he's described as a as a perfect man uh, the the ideal man and Satan comes along and he says to God you know have you, if you took all of these things you blessed him with away you know he wouldn't be, he would he would curse you and so he goes through all kinds of hell on earth doesn't he and and um, but did you did did you did you find solace or did you read the book of Job when you were going through that difficult time?
0: Well, and I'd read Job before that and during that and after that. Yes, uh, Job was was helpful. Uh, One of the things and one of the examples I put in there, and I use this when I speak a lot, when I got ready to have the second stint, and I mean, I work out every day. I I still play competitive softball. Uh, So my cardiologist thought I was a puzzle. He couldn't figure out why I was having this issue but the, the second one I was going to have, they couldn't do it in my community and they were gonna to have to take me to a different hospital. And so I'm in the OR or pre-op, never met this doctor. He comes walking in, looks at my chart and he goes, well, we'll figure it out once we get in there. And I had never been more at peace in my life than I was before I went in for that procedure, not knowing you know, if I'd come out, what they would do, whatever. To this day, I've never seen that doctor again. And so I recognized that he was my Lone Ranger. Hmm. And if you remember the old Lone Ranger. I sure do. And the reason why is he showed up when I needed him. He took care of me and he left before I could say thank you. And that's Hmm. exactly what the Lone Ranger that we remember on TV and used to do. He'd do those three things every time. And right. so I got to thinking, well, who sees me as their Lone Ranger? Right. And so I challenge people a lot of times when I speak, who will see you as their Lone Ranger? When people need us, show up, help them. You don't have to wait around for the thank you before you go help somebody else. And it was a great lesson to me that, its scriptural stories are very similar uh, to help me and hopefully help others as they go through. Uh, tough times to help other people.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's so true. What you just said, and it's a bit counterintuitive to people to think that. Well, if I take on responsibility, if I if I try to be someone who someone else could look up to and and see as an example, um, you know that that that'll make me a better person. That that'll make me happier. That'll enrich my life. That'll make my life meaning. And of course, this is scriptural. This is this is uh, what really, to a large degree, what being a Christian is all about, is this taking on of responsibility in the same way that, of course, our Lord took on the cross. But it, but it is counterintuitive because people think, well, you know, I just want life to be comfortable and I want things to be easy. I want someone to take care of me, and and but ha- taking on duty. And taking on responsibility that really is the road to a meaningful life a more meaningful and joyful life isn't it
0: well yes and we breed americans in our country and that's historically what happened throughout the building of america for example yes. uh, people help themselves they help their family they help their community they help their church people well our culture now makes everyone look to our national government as the first and last resort for any help. Anytime they stub their toe, they go, oh gosh, who's going to pay me money to help me feel better? And they look to the government. And that's the last thing we need to do is look to that because it makes us weaker because we don't serve and lift each other up. When we help each other, we lift each other up and strengthen each other.
1: Right. So in addition to your writing, are you writing another book right now, Richard?
0: Well, yes, I'm working on... (laughs) Well, let's
1: hear about that. What's your new book about?
0: Well, I'm working on a series that will be historical-based for 12 and up, uh, young adults and up. That will be another encouraging celebration of Americans who made America. And so I want to highlight people like that because, again, I believe we're all examples to other... The question is what kind of examples are we? And and I could remember my daughter, when she was a little girl, she looked up to the girls four and five years old when she was even two. And those girls at four and five were examples to her, even though they didn't know it. And that helped me recognize that we're all examples of somebody. And so the best example that we can be is, is so critical at all times because we never know when someone's looking to us for that example.
1: Yes. Exactly. Um, it's, it's funny, one of my favorite quotations is from someone who's uh, part of your uh, or is soon to be inducted into your American Hall of Fame. And that's Albert Einstein. He famously said, there's only three ways to influence others. The first is example, the second is example, and the third is example. So people yes. are really are looking at what you're doing and, and how you're walking your faith and, and more so than than what you're saying. That that uh, that translates into our political leaders too, isn't it? You talk about, you know, the the American founders; um, they all of them really had a very strong, a very powerful understanding of servant leadership. And uh, our politicians don't seem to have that nowadays, do they? They seem to have an entitlement uh, a, a attitude whereby you know they they think that because they are elected to to political office. That somehow they're part of an elite, and they're they're no longer accountable, uh, and that all the power is at the top. And uh, whereas in the American situation, the American experiment was founded upon the idea of you know government uh, by the people, for the people, uh, and for the good of the people. And uh, we've we've really we've sort of inverted that, haven't we, in modern times?
0: Well, you're exactly correct. And and again, to me, it's a nonpartisan issue, uh, but. At the founding time, people were elected and they went to Washington or their state house to serve, served a few years and went back home. No one ever dreamed that people would try to make a living off political service because they would lose money, basically. That was servant leadership. They sacrificed to go serve. And then they went back and doing so, they recognized that if I pass a law that hurts my neighbor, well, when it's his turn to go serve, then he's going to pass a law to hurt me. Well, now we have people who believe it's their God-given right to go in there and and make money, get rich, be there until they're drug out feet first when they pass away, and rule people who serve them as opposed to serving people who elected them.
1: Right. And
0: the late William F. Buckley said, I'd rather be governed by the first 535 people in a New York city phone book than by Congress. That was a a recognition of that because these entitled people, uh, they're causing as much of the problems that we face as anything else in my opinion.
1: Right. And uh, would you agree with me that perhaps the, the antidote to that is, is to, is to really follow a lot of the advice that's in your books. And that is take action get involved locally in your, in your communities, because thinking of the American experiment uh, originally, the revolution was about breaking away from an oppressive government. And what made America such a great country, in my view, at least initially was limited government that the whole American experiment was based upon limited government and, and, you know, individuals and families and communities do better when government is small. Uh, But if we get back, if we take the initiative instead of going hat in hand to government to solve all of of our problems, but instead take some responsibility and get involved in our communities, would you agree with me that, that that might be an antidote to the chaos that we're experiencing right now?
0: Well, absolutely. And so the government we have in the U.S. right now encourages people not to be involved. It's leave it up to us. I believe one of the party's platform is trust me and don't ask any questions. They want us to give up thinking that it's overwhelming and that you have to be an expert. And so it discourages people. And so my encouragement for folks is none of us can take care of everything that we don't like, but all of us can help in one area. So find one thing you're passionate about and contribute to that and help it. And if we get enough people participating, then we can return it to a servant leadership of the people, by the people and for the people.
1: Well, that's gotta be the last word for today, Richard. That was, very, that was profound, uh, but I wanna thank you so much. It's been my great pleasure to have you on the program today. I know that this is going to be inspirational to all of our listeners. Wish you much continued success with everything that you're doing, your new book, uh, your new book series, and your radio broadcasts, and your public speaking—it uh, really, it really—it's it's very gratifying, comforting to me to know that there are people out there like you who are working and have dedicated their lives to inspire others, and are doing it by by essentially spreading the word of God, which I think is uh, is the antidote to all despair in the world. I know you agree. Yes. Uh, you know, our Lord and Savior, he's already won the battle. uh, But uh, unfortunately, we're living in a world that uh, so many people are alienated from that love. Uh, And uh, it's so, so wonderful that people like you are out there uh, reminding everyone and, uh, and and teaching everyone about that love and how it can be such a changing force, uh, such a guiding force in our lives. So thanks very much for being with us today and for all the work that you do.
0: Well, we appreciate the opportunity to be with you and we always end our interview saying, God bless America and I'll add, God bless Canada.
1: Yes, we need we need the blessings too. Thank you.